Welcome to All Sides with Anna Staber. The Arnold Sports Festival is an economic juggernaut for Central Ohio. What started as a handshake deal between Arnold Schwarzenegger and former Worthington Mayor Jim Lorimer now draws hundreds of thousands of people to Columbus for the professional bodybuilding and fitness event. We're talking about the Arnold's past, present, and whether its future will always be in Columbus. And joining me now is Brent Lalonde, the events director for the Arnold Sports Festival. Welcome to All Sides. I want to play some audio from Arnold Schwarzenegger in a trailer for this year's event as he walked through last year. We are so happy when you walk around and you see our halls are filled again, the people displaying their goods. And to see so many different sports, 60 different sports from 80 different countries. 15,000 athletes participating here this year. This has been the most successful Arnold's Classic. I was born a bodybuilder. And I will die a bodybuilder. It sounds a little bit like a, a movie trailer, something from like his Terminator past, but it sure. highlights a point that I kind of want to start with, which was uh, the event was canceled in 2020 and pretty restricted in 2021. Were there concerns that like many other businesses and events that the Arnold might not survive the pandemic? The pandemic was very devastating to the show. Um, as everybody knows, we were on the forefront of the uh, coronavirus pandemic in 2020. Um, we were all set up that week. Um, and at the last minute, we had to cancel uh, the expo, which is the biggest economic driver for the weekend. Uh, we did continue with our professional bodybuilding and professional strongman competitions. And we did most of our um, e-sporting events. We were allowed to have those, but with no spectators, parents only watching their kids and that sort of thing. So coming out of COVID with the uncertainty, like all events, um, it was it was it was financially devastating. Took us a while to uh, dig out of that hole. We were always very confident that we would come back at some point, um, and we did that in 2021. In the fall of 2021, uh, with just a professional bodybuilding competition, a one-day event, no expo, no sports. Um, Arnold was very adamant about having a show in 2021, crowning an Arnold Classic champion. Um, to continue that streak, which has now been 36 straight years in Columbus. And then we came back in uh, 2022 uh, and had our first real normal show with all the sports and events and the expo and all that sort of thing. But even then, in March of 2022, the city was still under a mask mandate at the time of our show. So um, you forget it now, you forget how long COVID really lasted. Um, but as you heard Arnold talk about the show last year in 2023, it really felt normal, really felt like we were back to um, what the Arnold Sports Festival is all about. And I think we'll see even more of that uh, this weekend at the convention center in the Ohio Expo Center. So Schwarzenegger started this event with Jim Lorimer, and yep. I'd love to know how did they how did they meet? How did this how did this get off the ground? They met because um, Jim Lorimer, who was a longtime uh, mayor, vice mayor, uh, vice president nationwide insurance, um, he was very active in AAU sports organizing back in um, the fifties and the sixties. Uh, he had a girls track club. Um, in the in the late 50s, which was very cutting edge back in those days. Um, 
But through that, um, through those connections, he hosted uh, the world, um, I'm sorry, the U.S. Weightlifting Championships, which was organized by the AAU in 1968 here in Columbus. And that led to the World Weightlifting Championships coming to Columbus in 1970. Um, that event was broadcast on Wide World Sports, and they wanted a companion event to go with that. So he paired the World Weightlifting Championship uh, with a bodybuilding competition called the Mr. World in 1970. Arnold came here in 1970, won that competition. Long story short, him and Arnold and Jim uh, uh, bonded as friends and partners. And Arnold said, told Jim in 1970, when I retire from the sport, I'm going to come back um, and we're going to be business partners to promote the sport. And Arnold that's what they did. True, yep. Arnold was true to his word. He came back, um, retired in 1975 after uh, Pumping Iron, if you remember that movie. And then Arnold and Jim actually started promoting bodybuilding shows in Columbus starting in 1976. And through 1986, they would promote the Mr. Olympia competition here six times over 10 years. It was often here, but not here every year. Um, they did not own that competition, though. And once they lost the ability to host that show on a regular basis, they decided to create the Arnold Classic. They did that in 1989 as just a bodybuilding show. And as everybody has seen over the last 36 years, it's grown into one of the largest uh, multi-sport festivals um, in the nation, if not the world. Yeah. Um, in prep for this show, I was reading about all the different variety of events that you guys offer. Sure. And I discovered for the very first time professional pillow fighting, which is not at all like what you it's wild i watched some videos of it did not yeah. see that coming um yeah so also... that's going to be they're going to do an exhibition of that during our um during our guns and hoses boxing event this evening at the anthony am so that's the first time that that's been here we'll see how that goes and maybe we'll have some more pillow fighting in the future yeah that was wild um there's yeah. also medieval fighting which they use like armor and weapons gives kind of a game of thrones vibe to it it is incredible. They 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 put on uh, body armor, and they have sledges and hammers, and they physically beat um, beat the crap the crap of the heck out of each other <laughs> until 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 you have the last man standing in the event. It's um, and 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 these guys we have some of our, uh, most of our injuries or a lot of our injuries on the event come from medieval fighting. It is. There's nothing Renaissance Festival about it. It is the real deal. You also have a Guns and Hoses event, which pits police officers and firefighters against each other for charity. Yeah, I've been going on for about nine years. Uh, you take amateur boxers um, from the police and the fire, and they pit against each other over about 16 different boxing matches. That's tonight at the Columbus Anthenaeum, and that's the event we'll, we'll do the exhibition on the pillow fighting as well. There's also stone carrying, which is like, that's kind of an Irish thing, right? Or is that stone throwing? Yeah. So we have professional and amateur strongman competitions. And uh, the professional strongman competition has a lot of its history in Scottish Highland games. So a lot of carrying stones and, and those sorts of things. And and we have some the, something called the Denny Stone, which is a real famous stone uh, that a guy named Donald Denny carried back in Scotland in the late 1800s. They have replicas of those stones. And guys have to pick them up and and, and load them onto a, a platform for speed. So it's it's pretty incredible to watch. As anyone who's ever done any kind of landscaping probably knows, 
stones weigh a lot more than you think they do. Like it could be, you know, yeah. the size of a beach ball, but weigh, yeah. like they're, yeah. they're just dense. Yeah. yeah, I get I get tired and sore carrying around uh, 25 pound bags of mulch. So <laughs> picking up 300 pound stones and loading them onto a platform. Um, I mean, but these pro strongman guys, they'll do they'll do deadlifts tomorrow that are in excess of a thousand pounds. So these guys are lifting astronomical amounts of, of weight. And there's the traditional, uh, like Mr. World, Mr. Olympia style, like flexing bodybuilding competition. Yeah. So, so yes, yeah, so we obviously the the event was built on the Arnold Classic, which was men's professional bodybuilding, and now we have. Um, uh, a professional bodybuilding competitions over over two days and not only the what you think of bodybuilding with with arnold classic and arnold and the mr olympia we have several other different divisions um fitness which is a mixture of your physique and gymnastics um we have a bikini competition a wellness competition and then on the men's side we have men's open bodybuilding which is the arnold classic we have an event called classic physique where you're, how much you can weigh is kind of based on how how tall you are, so your body's a little more proportionate. Um, and then a men's physique competition, which is um, they're based, they're they're judged on their upper body, but they wear board shorts and not as much emphasis on their legs. So, so on the the, the world of bodybuilding is more than just what you think of as men's open bodybuilding. There's multiple other divisions that will also compete on the weekend, both as professionals and amateurs. And there's a whole women's competition too. Yeah, we have women's I mean, on, on the bodybuilding side, about half of our athletes are women and half are men. And the women's have their own different divisions. Um, and those are all judged on different different degrees of muscularity. Um, and but it's all judged on how your body is proportioned and the shape and all that sort of thing. So in bodybuilding, you're judged on your physique. And then in strength sports like strongman, powerlifting, weightlifting, it's not about your physique. It's about how much you can lift. And then on top of all of that, there's like a health and fitness expo, right? Where you can see all the latest gear and gadgetry. The heart and soul of the weekend is the Arnold Expo. Um, it is 800 booths of nutritional supplements and merchandise and equipment and everything you can imagine in that space. It is the largest health and fitness expo of its kind. And then once you go into the expo, there's also competitions and demonstrations and a lot of entertainment inside the expo. So if you're going to see one thing on the weekend, it would be the expo, which is in the convention center Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And what do tickets cost just for the expo? It varies. The 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 the, the expo, the daily expo tickets start at about forty dollars, um, and that gets you into the, into the expo all day, into twenty to twenty five different events. So when you come to the expo, you can either watch the see the expo and go through the booths, but you can see medieval fighting and amateur strongman and powerlifting and weightlifting and foosball if you choose. Uh, you can go out to the Ohio Expo Center and watch gymnastics and cheerleading and martial arts. So you have a a whole smorgasbord of of, the, of events in addition to the expo with your expo ticket. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that surprised me the most is you know Arnold Classic. You immediately picture bodybuilding, but it's yep. so much more than that now. Yep. Arnold, um, under uh, the first President Bush, was the chairman of the President's Council on Physical Fitness. And um, in those days, Arnold and Jim started out, they did the Great American Workout on the White House lawn, if you, if you remember <laughs> that. And while um, while Arnold was running the, the President's Council on Physical Fitness, that's when the decision was made to bring other sports to the Arnold. Don't make it just bodybuilding. Let's add, they started by adding martial arts. And then they added gymnastics and added a sport or two every year. And when you do that for 
for 35 years, you end up with a, with, with a lot of different sports. Do you have a favorite? I, I have favorites. I like strongman. Um, I like, I like medieval fighting. Um, I like, uh, I mean, the foosball is, is, is fun to watch. Um, so I have, I do have my favorites, but pro professional strongman is probably, um, my, my, my favorite among my favorite among my children. We, you like them all, of course. <laughs> So. Yeah, because that one's also less focused on your like your appearance. It's more about it, like just it, literally it, how it, much you can carry. Literally how much you can weigh, uh, how much you can lift. And these guys are lifting hundreds and hundreds of pounds. It is the same competitors that you would see on reruns on ESPN of, of World's Strongest Man. Those mm -hmm. are the same competitors, same type of events where they're either lifting uh, really heavy stuff or lifting heavy stuff and, and, and carrying it. Um, a certain distance for time so like i mentioned earlier they'll have tomorrow at the, at the women's we have pro women and pro men strongman on the pro men's side for example the deadlift they'll they, some of these guys may break the world deadlift record on the elephant bar which is a certain kind of a deadlift bar a little over 1100 pounds so that's, Jeez. yeah um half thor beyond you mentioned game of thrones vibe uh thor won our pro strongman competition three years in a row took a couple years off he's back but he was mountain in the Game of Thrones. Oh. So he has, yeah, so he has some pop culture fame to him now as well because he was uh, he played the character Mountain on Game of Thrones. We also want to hear from you this hour. Do you have a favorite story from the Arnold Classic, a can't miss event? Uh, share yeah. your ideas with us, 614-292-8513. So Mr. Lorimer uh, passed away. And then yeah. it was reported that Arnold Schwarzenegger bought out the Laura family, Lorimer family's interest in the Arnold, which raised concerns about whether the event might one day move away from Columbus. What can you tell us about those negotiations? Yeah, um, unfortunately, with, with the passing of Mr. Of Mr. Lorimer back in November, Arnold does now. Uh, it was a co-ownership of the company, and he now fully owns the company. Um, and we've gotten a lot of those questions post-COVID. Um, did not get many of those questions pre-COVID. Um, but we'll be here this year for the 36th straight year. Uh, Post-COVID, we've now done events in 21, 22, 23. Now we're in 2024. Tickets will go on sale for next year's event in 2025 in June. Um, so Arnold has always been committed to Columbus, and our hope is to continue to be here long into the future. Well, that's great. Yeah. Uh, that was Brett Lalonde, the events director for the Arnold Sports Festival. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate having us and check out ArnoldSports.com for tickets and schedule and all that fun stuff. Yeah, I think you've convinced me on the medieval uh, competition. It sounds awesome. Come on down. Maybe we will get you uh, get you into the amateur portion of it and get you loaded up. See, no, I was thinking amateur <laughs> pillow fighting. That might yeah, be more my There name. you go. <laughs> Come on down. There's something for everybody. That's for sure. Coming up, we're talking with the only Ohio bodybuilder to win the Arnold Classic. That's when All Sides continues on 89.7 NPR News. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. 
Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to All Sides. I'm your host, Anna Staber. We've all heard the cliche headline, local boy makes good, but it could have been created for our next guest. Mike Francois is a fitness coach and promoter from Columbus who first rose to prominence in the 1990s as a champion bodybuilder. He's a past winner of the Arnold Classic and has competed in Mr. Olympia. Mike, welcome to All Sides. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you, Anna. You were on quite a different path before becoming a professional bodybuilder. Can you tell us a little bit about what you originally thought your life was going to be? <laughs> yeah, I was studying to be a Roman Catholic priest. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I studied. It takes eight years. I was in my seventh year, but I ended up falling in love and can't be a Catholic priest and be married. So I had to decide between the two and, and uh, ended up... Um, the relationship took off, and we've been married now for 30-plus years. And were you bodybuilding as a priest, or did that happen after you left? Well, I was in the seminary, so I wasn't quite a priest yet. But ah. I had competed one time after I got done with college and before I started uh, graduate school of theology. And I just thought I would do it for the heck of it. It looked fun. looked like something I might be interested in. Just doing it one time, and that's it. But, you know, so I did it, and then after I was done with the seminary— um, something I kind of went back to because I enjoyed it. And uh, then it took off from there. Yeah. And then you started competing, seems more seriously, in the 1990s. How how tough were the competitions then compared to what you see today? You know, that's a great question. It's something a lot of people are trying to answer that question because it's you know, it, it's so much subjective. I mean, it's not like your previous guest was talking about lifting weights, and if you lift it, you do. If you don't, you don't. You don't get it. Um, in, in the sport of bodybuilding, it's, uh, you know, in the bikini competitions, all that, it's, there's, you know, there are some criteria, guidelines, um, but there's a lot of uh, kind of gray area, subjective area, too. So um, as far as, you know, physiques, I, I, I like the physiques of yesteryear a little bit more. They seem to be a little bit uh, harder and in a little bit better shape and not quite as kind of cartoonish looking. Um, I don't know if any of it seems very, you know, attainable by a lot of people because you, you can never think you could develop a physique like that. But you don't know until you try, until you max out your body. So um, so I know if that's kind of a roundabout answer, but that's it. Yeah, I also think of all the new technology. So, for example, uh, I'm a distance runner and, you know, record after record has been broken in the last couple of decades, in part because the shoe technology has just gotten so much better. And right. and I'm sure in bodybuilding, you know, supplements, diet, nutrition, like there's all there's been all these advancements in the last 30 years. You're right. Huge. Um, like you said, in the track world, it's unbelievable shoes and the different materials they use to, to make them. And, and uh, so it's true in bodybuilding. I mean, this, yeah, everybody says, was Arnold as good? Well, no, Arnold couldn't step on the stage today looking like he looked and win. It just wouldn't happen. But Arnold would have had all the, you know, scientific you know, advantages and just the, the knowledge we have now about how to train the machine, the equipment, that he would have been great, but he would have had gone in today's world, so to speak. So um, so it just varies, but the, I think the machinery and the nutrition is the biggest part, I think. We've learned a lot about how to do that. Bodybuilding seems to be, or bodybuilding, I say bodybuilding, but sports like it um, have really uh, 
kind of set the standard for nutrition and dieting. And it seems like doctors were doing back in the 60s and 70s, but it seems to have, you know, in, in our world, it seems to have come, come up in the last maybe 15 to 20 years, but it's been around longer. So it's things like that that make a difference. You know, I think, you know, when we look at somebody uh, like like Arnold or you or the winners of the Arnold Classic, it does look like you spend, you know, all your waking hours in the gym. Can yeah. you kind of walk us through what what getting ready to compete in the Arnold Classic looks like in terms of training and eating? And it just feels right. like you're probably spending those weeks leading up to it, and maybe I'm wrong, like treating it like a full-time job. Oh, it's, it's definitely, I mean, that was my job. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so it's, you would not, I, and I can only speak for myself and I've seen other people, but I really, I lifted weights for about, you know, I trained with weights for about 45 minutes or so in the gym and workouts were just really, really intense. No real slowing down, no, no long breaks, you know, no talking with, you know, chatting with people. Um, none of that was going on. It was all serious. And so, for me, it was just 45 minutes in the gym, basically a day. And then, uh, you know, cardio, if you had to do cardio, you're getting ready for a show. Yeah. That would add to it, you know, maybe a half hour to an hour more, but it really wouldn't be the, the, what people would think in the gym training with weights, you know, for unbelievable amounts of time. It just wasn't like that for me. And I don't think a lot of people these days are training in that same way. How long does it take to, to build a body like that? Yeah, it's different for everyone. Some people, it seems like they could live forever and just isn't, their body just isn't made to put on muscle as quickly or in those quantities. And other people, it's the same reason, you know, why does Usain Bolt run 100 meters so fast? Yeah. yeah. Some people could run forever and train just like he trains, but they're not going to develop that way. And it's the same thing with bodybuilding. It's fast switch muscle fibers and the higher abundance of those um, means more muscle mass. And uh, it's kind of different if you look at track and field. You see some of the, the sprinters are kind of thicker, shorter, not all of them. because what They have way but, bigger legs. Yeah, exactly. And then you see the guys um, that run the long distance or the women, and they're just their physiques are different. So it's the same thing with bodybuilding. You have you know, some physiques that are going to develop more than others. How do you think, you know, you were competing in the 90s when uh, right. there were bodybuilding magazines and documentaries and tapes, but... Yeah. Social media now has given the world access to these bodybuilders. Yeah, it's it's way different now. I think it's hurt it in some ways because uh, in our day, um, as far as from the business standpoint, people would want to see you, so you do a lot of guest appearances and guest posings at amateur shows um, and things like that. Whereas now, with people online, you can see what they ate that morning if you just go to their website. They'll have pictures. Of of themselves eating breakfast or training or whatever. So the knowledge is right there where in our day, you know, you had to wait six months before photos that you took after a show would even show up in the magazine. But there were magazines, and that's cool to be on the cover of a magazine and just that kind of that, um, I guess, uh, feeling of accomplishment with the magazines and how it's tangible more so than just looking at clicking on the Internet and seeing it. So I think that's a large part. Um but getting back to the original question, yeah, so you spend, you know, me personally, 45 minutes to an hour with the weight training, and then if I had to do cardio, it was another, you know, however it was. It could be a half hour, it could be an hour uh, once a day, or even sometimes twice a day. And then as far as food goes, it seems like that's all you're doing is eating uh, constantly, so you get all your food ready for the next day, or, or 
home all the time because I had a contract with Weeder, and so that was basically it was a job. So I could stay at home. I could make all my meals fresh, things like that. I didn't have to prepare to go to a gym or go to um, a job afterwards. So that was always the beneficial for me. Um, and other guys in the same position, but you know now I think some of that's gone away. Um, there aren't magazines anymore. Um, you know, you know what everybody's doing day to day. So I think it's different in that way. Yeah, I think there's also probably a lot more opportunity for sponsorship, especially like micro, like branding deals. And right, I. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, you're right. When when um, there were you know, all these things, when there's all these things now on online, I mean, I can't even imagine. You know, just trying to get as money. The thing that I would have, I guess, bugged me the most in this is how much you would have to be on the internet and in the gym taking pictures and doing things of yourself. And kind of the last thing I ever really wanted to do was that. That's a whole second um, job. Yeah. So I, you know, that I'm lucky I was in the generation I was in because that's more my mentality. So for me, it worked out fine. But I could see how you know, there's just a lot of people viewing things on the internet and a lot of guys are, you know, um, profiting from it, which is great. So there's lots of Ohio bodybuilders who go to compete in the Arnold Classic, but you're the only one that's won. So what was it like to win the competition in your home state? Well, it was great. Um, you know, the, the best thing was just having people at, at the show that you'd see in the gym every day training, you know, friends and, and other people I would just see that would encourage you and things. So um, so it was amazing. You know, there, there's a lot of great bodybuilders in Ohio and probably been some deserving of being up there and, and winning, but just not close uh, yet. And, uh, you know, there's been some females too. Um, I can't think of names right now, but not in the bodybuilding portion, but in other categories that have done well at the Arnold. So, so there are other people, and there's a lot of great uh, fitness people, you know, bodybuilders, all that in the state. So it'll happen again, I'm sure. And I'm, I understand that you won on your birthday. I did, yeah, March 4th, um, that year's my birthday. Um, you know, at the time, didn't, you know, didn't think about it at all. But as you look back, it was kind of kind of neat. Yeah. So your competitive career came to an end in the late '90s due to health reasons. Can would you mind sharing what happened? No, I had I had colitis, um, which is a ulcerative colitis, which everybody kind of knows about now. It's on those TV TV commercials. Um, about the different medicines, which they never had back then. So it seems like it would have been very manageable, or manageable at least, um, if, if I would have had access to those different medicines and stuff. But but that's what I had, uh, ulcerative colitis, and it kind of, people are like, did it have anything to do with your bodybuilding? And no, I mean, my mom, my mom's side and my dad's side both have it. So it was just a matter of genetics and, and that happening. But I will say that um, it's not bodybuilding per se, but... Uh, having food constantly because you have to eat all the time. I mean, you're eating constantly as, you know, a competitor and, you know, sometimes five, six, seven meals a day. And, uh, and so that food going through your system constantly irritates your intestines. And, and part of that is uh, the colon. And uh, I think that probably had more to do with it and a propensity for it uh, because of the, the nutrition part. That makes sense. Um, in recent years, though, there's been a number of bodybuilders in their 40s and 50s that have sort of pa- that have passed away unexpectedly or had health problems. Like, I guess there's always that swirling concern about what you're doing, how you're getting that big. 
I feel like this is just something as long as we've had bodybuilding, we've had concerns about like the lengths that people are going to to look like that. Yeah, I think, you know, there's there's definitely people that abuse all kinds of things, you know, like uh, a can or two of beer, I guess, is not a drinker, but isn't bad, but you drink a case, it's bad. You know, supplements for bodybuilding that people do, um, you know, if they go overboard with it, you know, some bad things can happen. So um, I think it's one of those things where uh, you have to take care of your whole body, get your blood work done, and do all the things necessary to, uh, to stay healthy. And some people just don't. And I think whenever... You know, you hear this question all the time. If you knew you were gonna, this was gonna happen to you, or, or this was gonna happen to you, something, would you still have done things the same way? Given you knew what was gonna happen, you might die or whatever. You might get injured badly. It's crazy, but a lot of people say, "Yeah, I would love to do it." Ronnie Coleman, the guy who's won the Olympia like eight times, like most times ever, um, can hardly walk now. He's in a wheelchair, and because he, you know, he took his body to extreme lengths in the gym. And they've asked him point blank, you know, would you do it all the same way? And he said, no, I'd go try to go heavier even. Or what's my biggest disappointment? You know, maybe not going heavier. So that, those are the type of people, you know, that do succeed because they're willing to push themselves, but at the same time can also do harm. So I think that's the things you have to keep in mind. Yeah, even like too much protein can be pretty hard on your kidneys. Right. I mean, yes. And uh, that's why I'm, I'm just a big advocate of, you know, if you're going to do things extreme, make sure you get a doctor that will do your blood work and look at it the way it should be looked at from a sports nutrition and a sports uh, state of mind and frame of mind. Um, knowing that things won't be exactly the way everybody should be, but it's within the boundaries of what you can be. So, um, But that's that's a, a big part of uh, you know this whole thing. you got to stay healthy. When your bodybuilding career came to an end, how did you decide what was going to be next? Uh, you know, I didn't know exactly. I thought about a lot of things, you know, some things back in the church or, um, you know, law school, some things that I um, had thought about. Uh, but, you know, why not go with kind of what got me here? And that was the bodybuilding. So that's when I got into the world of, you know, personal training. And, and um, you know, my wife and I also promote the Mike Maxwell Classic, which is a amateur show we have each year going on a, 26th, 27th year now of having it. Um, and uh, so we, we branched off and I did the training and, and uh, consulting and then also on a, on a contest with my wife, Shannon, so who does 99% of the work for it. So it's, it's a big undertaking, but she's just great at it. Yeah, you have uh, or you promote your own bodybuilding competition each year in Westerville. Can you tell us a little bit about it? And we, yeah, we, it was in Westerville. It's in Dublin now. We have it oh, okay. at Marriott northwest in, in, in dublin um right by 270 over there it uh we um yeah we my whole goal was my wife our goal was to try to make it kind of a miniature arnold classic in the sense of how we treated the athletes and and the way we went about the awards and everything and so that's that's always been our you know um kind of our goal that we shoot for if we can live up to anything close to that we know we'd be doing well so uh yeah so we have that each year it's june 15th this year and um, if anybody wants to look at it, you can go to uh, MikeFrancois.com and, and see all the information regarding it. If they'd want to go watch, if they kind of maybe go to the Arnold and like it, who knows, maybe they compete someday. But, um, but yeah, so we, we've had that um, all those years and uh, going strong so far. Do, I assume you still go to the Arnold Classic? 
You know what? I I don't. I, I don't go down there that much. I go down when they have they have a thing every five years for past winners, and they'll bring us down and and do some things. But you know, I'm just not. I just not. I not. I don't say not interested in it, but it doesn't. If there's other things going on, I'll do the other things. And if somebody invites me down to do something, I'll do that. But but it's not one of my highlights of the year, I guess. If someone has never been, what what would you recommend is like a must see? Um, I think just to see those. Of course, I love bodybuilding, so I think that's what I'd say. But but realistically, to get everybody's interest, I think um, the strongman things are just phenomenal. You know, the technique involved, uh, the strength is crazy, and they're just huge people. Um, but the technique uh, is is unbelievable. Because you just couldn't think a guy could lift this big round stone up, you know, so high and, and uh, you know, have it weigh that much. Um, so, yeah, those guys are remarkable. And women, too. Yeah, and that's a totally different kind of training because it's less about that proportionality and how your body looks. It's just quite literally getting yourself ready to lift as much weight as possible. Yeah, I mean, that's all it is. I mean, like I said earlier, it's just either you get it or you don't. There's no hiding behind not a team sport you're hiding behind somebody or kind of subjective thing where they say, well, he won because of this, or I didn't win because of that. You know, it's just you lift this this far or you lift it um, or you push something this far or whatever it is, uh, which is, is amazing. Amazing. That was Mike Francois, a bodybuilder, fitness coach, and former winner of the Arnold Classic. Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Coming up, we're expanding our conversation to sports festivals more generally and where the Arnold Classic fits into that world. That's when All Sides continues on 89.7 NPR News. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to All Sides. I'm your host, Anna Staver. We're talking this hour about the Arnold Sports Festival, the four-day professional bodybuilding and fitness event that begins tomorrow. An estimated 20,000 athletes from more than 80 countries will be competing in everything from bodybuilding to pillow fighting to medieval and strongman competitions. The event pumps tens of millions of dollars into our local economy. And joining us now to talk about the economic impact of that and the overall world of sports and fitness events is journalist Oliver Lee Bateman. He's also a lawyer, a strength athlete, and his articles on health and fitness have appeared in Men's Health, Vox, and the Paris Review. Welcome to All Sides. Hi, thanks for having me. So I want to talk more broadly about sports festivals and how the Arnold fits into this landscape where would you place it in the universe of competitions? You know, like Mr. Olympia is probably the most famous one. So where does the Arnold fit in? 
it, it is the most famous and you know having having gone several times to to a lot of these including uh the arnold i would say that columbus at this point is blessed to have probably the most comprehensive sports festival uh, like you mentioned like everything is here you know you'll have some video gaming pillow fighting strength training uh, all of these things in the arnold uh, the mr olympia is a is a famous bodybuilding show that has mostly been in las vegas it was in columbus for a couple years back in the 70s but mostly been in las vegas over the past couple decades and it has this the same convention floor uh, set up but in terms of growth as an actual sports festival and, and an event uh, there are very few things in the world right now that kind of, that can rival the arnold I, I mean the only thing that that would be comparable for some of our listeners who might understand it i mean columbus having this is the equivalent of san diego having that huge comic-con every year which is not just about comics but is the center of the pop culture world this is for a lot of people including all those fitness influencers that you follow on instagram if you follow them this is the center of their universe and it's going to come right to the midwest so it, it's it's really an amazing thing it's it's been here for like 36 or uh, 37 years and it's i i was happy to come on and talk about it what, what an impressive event yeah, we had the director of the Arnold Sports Festival on earlier, and he said that the health and fitness expo part of it is the largest one in the country. And I thought that was really fascinating that all those vendors that come in. Yeah, yeah, it is. There's nothing like it. You won't see anything like it in the world. As a bodybuilding competition, the bodybuilding component of it, it has always been sometimes, you know, like like discerning fans of bodybuilding in the 2000s, for example, would say, that often the best bodybuilding athlete would win that component at the Arnold. And that was, uh, and the, you know, the, the Olympia was usually the most marketable or the most popular person winning year after year. Cause you know, they just go up on the stage and they pose and the judges pick the winners. Uh, it was long thought that the Arnold winners were, you know, like with someone like uh, Cedric McMillan would win in 2017 or something like that. People would say, well, that was really the best, physique this year you know and, and phil heath just sort of wins because he's the most popular bodybuilder and then uh, i mean the arnold also has the, probably at this point the world's hardest and best strongman competition so the arnold strongman classic used to be the world's strongest man that was the thing everyone knew and you'd watch it on espn but the arnold strongman event is also at this point, probably the world's best and probably the world's most prestigious and winning that thing is a huge deal. So they're, they're, they, so of the events at this huge overall sports festival, I mean, the bodybuilding show is either the best or second best in the world. Most would say it's the second best and the strongman competition is definitely the best. And they're part of this overall thing that is just incredible to go to. So Arnold Schwarzenegger has kind of been the face of bodybuilding for the last several decades. But what's interesting to me is, you know, he went from bodybuilder to celebrity to governor. Like he's just had this crazy career. But now it seems to be the world of the fitness influencer. 
And right, if you're going to be successful, you're probably going to be building this this um, this online empire. And what I find really fascinating about that is we were talking earlier about how bodybuilding could be a full time job. And I feel like social media is a full time job. Are these guys like doing double work? They, they are to be a successful fitness influencer in 2024, you are doing far more work than any of the great bodybuilders of the 1980s. What, what you're up against is, you know, whether, whether, you know, it may have, you know, and it's, it's a much more open and accessible world. Like it's, it's very much democratized, like muscular men and muscular women are both succeeding. And, and to an extent women are succeeding uh, at even greater levels than they ever have before in terms of fitness influence, but it is a, not just a daily, but an hourly grind. And for an event like this, uh, a lot of fitness influencers are actually going to converge on Columbus and you're going to see them like live streaming and posting and sharing minutes of their day. They're not even going to be competing, but they're going to be competing for views and likes and they're going to be meeting up. Um, you, you know, there's going to be all these these crossover things and you can watch all of this on social media. And other than Schwarzenegger, who really was ahead of the game in terms of seeing how it all fit together, how everything kind of pieces together and you're working 24-7 to be uh, and basically an influencer, like someone that, that is at the center of everything. Uh, it, it is, there's, there's much more work involved and much more competition uh, and many more people doing this in 2024. It's kind of amazing because the Arnold Sports Festival is a lot like that. Like it was sort of a pioneering thing to start because all of these different things that you can go and watch, uh, a typical influencer like like a straw man, Larry Wheels, will also be a bodybuilder and a celebrity on Instagram and, you know, this and this and this. And all of those events are at the Arnold. It's pretty it's pretty cool how the Arnold has grown along with fitness influence in that sense. And speaking of fitness influence, as somebody who writes about health and fitness, how do you navigate the plethora or the proliferation of nutrition supplements like that's one of the i think is like the dark side if you fall into like fitness tiktok of like all of the dietary supplements that people are pushing and all those questions about whether they're safe whether they're effective whether they will make you look like the influencer on the screen uh my my buddy anthony roberts who's one of the great steroid experts uh working in the business right now would say uh generally speaking if something is legal and you're able to purchase it, it probably isn't that effective. <laughs> uh, if it is a steroid, you know, either getting with the doctor's supervision or you're, you're buying illegally, it is, it is probably going to work very well. But, you know, in my, in my day job, I, I work in marketing. You know, I work in content marketing. And much of what you are seeing uh, in terms of supplements and, you know, influencers using supplements and sharing things on TikTok and Instagram is nothing more than marketing for powders and pills and things that are most of the time going to be less effective than just eating a piece of salmon or eating a steak or drinking some milk. Um, there are things that work, but they're much harder to get. And they, unfortunately, in fact, the people selling you those things, those influencers with their amazing physiques are most likely using, not always, but most likely using those things to, to give themselves the look they need to help sell that stuff to you. 
Yeah, I I always remember try to remind myself that they're probably being paid to share this. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying that every influencer is sharing stuff that they don't believe in or they don't agree with or they don't enjoy, but it gives that that like smidgen of skepticism. Oh yeah, yeah, they're sponsored. They're sponsored athletes and you're going to see tons of them at the Arnold this weekend standing in booths holding out protein powders, wearing shirts. And, and you're right, like they may believe in it. You know, I believe in a lot of things that pay me, uh, but at the same time, they're they're working uh, all day. And that's something everybody should keep in mind when they see any of this. You know, what's really interesting is uh, we've talked about how, you know, the way Arnold looked when he won Mr. Olympia, like that physique probably couldn't win now and I find that so fascinating the way that like because there is that level of subjectivity on like what looks the most aesthetically pleasing and proportionate and I just find that really fascinating that like that how it's changed how what the ideal like bodybuilder looks like yeah Arnold's physique might might do very well in a field like classic physique which exists for smaller athletes and the preference is for more proportional bodies and bodies that look like you, you know the Frank Zanes of the 1970s and there have been you know a number of successful athletes in that field but at the highest level of bodybuilding sort of this this like open men's heavyweight bodybuilding the physiques have have increased in size along with the weight training and the chemicals. And so you have truly enormous athletes nowadays, like, like Nick, the mutant Walker, and not everybody finds that appealing, but if you do find it appealing and you, and you go to the sports festival, you will see more people on the floor who look like that in one place this weekend than anywhere else in the world. You will be able to see them. You will see people walking the floor, that could be look like they could be competing hundreds of them but they are they might just be have been training all year to go to the uh the arnold and walk around yeah that's fascinating um you know what's also interesting is that the arnold has spawned events in places like spain brazil south africa australia it's really gone global yeah that's a model that arnold and and the others involved in the promotion of this event really understood the mr olympia uh, which, which you know, was run and built by that organization and launched by the Whiters and then the Mannians who are, who are here in Pittsburgh. That was always a multiple, multiple region, multiple area place. Like after it took off, they were able to, you know, have events and related events in different cities. And they saw how that model worked. And the Arnold has worked along those same lines. Like if something works in this like main city, then you can do one, you know, in Perth and you can do one in Melbourne and you work with a local promoter and you have the athletes come in, they need the opportunities. It's great for the local community. Um, it's great for all these supplement companies that set up and sell stuff. And, you know, it's just a, it, it, the Arnold has been a great brand for this sort of thing. It's probably the best, you know, even, you know, compared to the Olympia, the Arnold is a much better brand and a much better run brand. And that's why um, it's, I, I would say at this point, it's the far better fitness expo of, of the Olympia, certainly and the best one out there. Yeah, more than 8,000 hotel rooms have been reserved here in the central Ohio area. And I think it's hard to overstate the economic impact that these kinds of events have on communities. On, on communities and then on every vendor. I mean, if you, if you know the fitness business very well, I mean, there are going to be a lot of vendors and people, you know, new fitness companies and companies that are selling particular things 
some companies, you know, are just successful year round, like Columbus's Rogue, which is the one of the best weight equipment manufacturers in the world, one of the largest. They'll have a big presence there and they're they're well known. But there'll be smaller companies that are going to be coming and setting up booths uh, and these sorts of things, uh, you know, with their sales and their marketing people. And their years operations might and their their revenue might depend heavily on how much they sell at each of at a big event like the Olympia. or So the it's Art their Black Luminos. Friday. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. A lot of restaurants here are getting ready for the onslaught of customers. So like we have a pizza place called Mikey's Late Night Slice and they always have an Arnold weekend special called the Meathead. And they like bill it as a protein bomb. Like even the restaurants around here like know like, hey, we've got you know, almost 100,000 people coming. We need to do everything we can to get them in the door. But Columbus really is super convenient for it. I mean, you know, great downtown parking. The downtown is accessible. There's a bunch of places you can walk right out of and eat at. And you are going to see a lot of these special deals. There's going to be a ton to eat and buy in the sports festival. But, I mean, you know, Arnold, in terms of, in terms of settling on Columbus after working with, with Jim Lorimer in the 70s, I, I, it turns out this is a great place to host an event like this. It's a central city. It's easy to get to. Um, it's not... It's not New York, right? It's not one of those types of things. So when the festival comes, the area can really benefit, but it's still a place that's that's really accessible for, for families and everyone else. I mean, it, it is getting bigger and bigger every year, though. I mean, to, to have gone in the, the 2010s and then gone uh, later, they're going to see that more and more events are ticketed and more and more things, you, you know, that you're going to have to get in line for or wait. Uh, it's grown a lot. So there is that component of it too, but it it had it's still a very manageable thing and a great deal. Final question: uh, What are the must-see events? Like, what's your favorite event? I, I mean, at the Arnold, you know, they, they've added stuff year after year. But at the Arnold, the the signature event, and I, and I, I mean, to be in the bodybuilding, to watch the bodybuilding finals, or be you know right, to, you know, to have had the chance to be like in the press area and sitting right up front in the bodybuilding, that's great. It's very interesting. They only do you know, they do the set poses and they do, you know, their, their own poses, but really the Arnold, the highlight is the strongman classic, great equipment, you know, rogue provides the stuff. Uh, it all looks impressive, like medieval looking contraptions or huge bars, huge uh, men and women will lift these things. And that is, is a can't miss event there. Uh, any of the strength exhibitions that are taking place are also can't miss because as much as the bodybuilding is interesting to see those athletes and as much as the other sports that are set up there like pillow fighting right are, are interesting <laughs> uh you are not going to see big people moving big weight anywhere else in the world perhaps in your lifetime other than at this thing that was Oliver Lee Bateman, a journalist whose articles have appeared in Men's Health, Vox, and the Paris Review. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. And that'll do it for this hour of All Sides on 89.7 NPR News.